Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 98. That man over there, that's the professor. And the episode starts right now. Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 98. This is the Option Podcast. And you asked and you shall receive because for me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Todd Rogers. What's up, man? Not much. How you doing? I'm good, man. Look, you know, before we got in the podcast, I, I talked a little, uh, I mentioned what, Simone Biles' name, right? Because it's it's on the news. It's on First Take. It's on this and that. And you stopped me at any point. I think she withdrew because of injury, but I also think there's like a mental health thing there. And right. I believe, based on the information I got, because I've been flying around, you know, it's my birthday. Um... I think it has something to do with the skewing of the scoring system because of the moves she's doing. Like they don't want to score differently because they don't want other people to do the same moves because they might get hurt or killed. Is there anything, um, anything you heard in the news or read about that? Uh, not the, the, the killed part. Um, I, I don't know about that one. I mean, I, yeah, I have it. I just saw that she had withdrawn. I thought it originally is for injury. And then I read that it was, uh, potentially injury like ankle um i think if i read uh and then there was a mental health component as well where she was feeling stressed from uh just the expectations and pressures of essentially being who she is as well as from i don't know if it's pressure from teammates but her feeling as though there's pressure from teammates and the country etc uh so that's kind of what I am aware of. Uh, I didn't dig super, super deep into it. Those are just what I, is there something else I missed or are you privy to something else? I think um, I might be skirting around the, 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 uh, the, the elephant in the room. I'm, I'm skirting around mental health and like how pressure is kind of like a real thing. And I think uh, I was trying to dance into that, but let's just jump straight into that. I think, I think my question is why don't, people understand that even elite athletes go and go uh are under this constant duress and that meant, meant you know i mean it, they think they're supposed that pressure is a normal thing or this heightened level of pressure is a normal thing and to me someone who's played a sport you you played at the highest level and received the highest award is it supposed to feel normal <laughs> uh no I, I think you're, uh, I mean, e each individual is going to be different on that, that front. Mm -hmm. uh, the pressure, in my opinion, is put on yourself by yourself. Uh, there is no one else out there that is putting pressure on you. Except, I mean, unless, of course, the parents are putting pressure on you or something like that. Uh, but the, pr the pressure is really you yourself uh, with, you know, and in like Simone's case or my own case or any Olympian's case, you have extraordinarily high expectations of yourself. Uh, and so there's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself to perform, uh, whether or not that's for your own personal gratification or for your teams, you know, to help your team out or to help the U.S. Olympic team or the United States itself or any other country for that matter. Um, but it's, 
it's definitely something that is out there. It's real. Uh, and how people handle it is so different across genres, across generations. Uh, and more so than ever, I think in the last probably 10 years, we've discovered a lot more and how that's affecting us in terms of just the stresses, the sciences behind, uh, how, you know, the chemistry of the body can literally change based on when you put stress on yourself or pressure on yourself. Uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. I mean, I haven't, I haven't delved too much in the weeds in it for me personally. I felt I always kind of just enjoyed it. To be honest with you. Uh, I kind of really, you know, I, I liked, I liked being served at 2019. Like I wanted to be served and, and I, and I didn't always win. <laughs> I failed a lot, but for me, I, I kind of enjoyed that, uh, that moment. It was a fun thing. And it was kind of, to me, the ability to test myself, uh, against whoever that was that was serving me at 2019. I think that's a very good answer in a sense that we are intrigued by the athletes who invite that pressure, right? 2019, please serve me the ball. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> there's, almost, there's almost this relief because now you get to dictate or control your own outcome, right? I mean, which makes doubles, beach doubles, such an intriguing thing, right? Certainly single sports um, like tennis and, I mean, no one to serve but you, golf. But, you know, and like in a sixes game, I mean, it's like, wow, I just got 33 kills. I just, and we lost 3 0. <laughs> but, so, but I guess as a coach, Ladies and gentlemen, he's a coach at Cal Poly. He, co he coaches smart kids, and they need, they need a real professor as a coach, and best man for the job. So as a coach, how do you sense if a player is under pressure? Or are your players, are you just open in preseason and more candid and saying, hey, look, talk to me all the time, as much as you can about situations of, of when it feels too heightened or this or that. So how do you deal with players um, or coach players? Because you've been – and I'd like to finish my long ass question, I guess. Last last season, right? You played Hawaii, WCC's right. West Coast, right? Two two years ago, we're not counting COVID. COVID, the whole world went to shit, right? right. Um, you played Hawaii. Um, actually, I call that. I I, I call that 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 That's championship right. it was me, uh, Dodd, and um, um, Hav. And I don't know about this year, but two years ago, it came down to twenty one nineteen pair five. How do you how do you or did you prepare your your team uh, for these tight game situations? I, I think one you hope that the season in and of itself um, prepares your team. I.e., you played good competition. You played the top teams in the country, uh, of which Hawaii has perennially been one of those, and was certainly one of those in 2019. Uh, and yeah, you both went situations. Mm -hmm. What's that? You both went to the tournament. That's right. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. both did. Uh, so you, you, that's kind of step one, in my opinion, is putting yourself in those positions over and over and over again. And then hopefully you learn how to succeed, how to handle yourself in those positions. Uh, and you're in that, in that scenario that you just described when we were at Zuma and, and you were broadcasting that one, uh, you know, our gals ended up ultimately succeeding and and beating Hawaii twice. And in the second one, it was literally came down to the fives pair. And it so often does in college. Uh, it always seems to come down to the fives pair when it's two tightly matched teams. And fortunately, we were able to, you know, Braden Grunewald and Vanessa Roscoe were able to 
pull that one out over Hawaii's fives team. As far as like me preparing them outside of like a court itself and putting them in those positions. I mean, we do a fair amount of pressure stuff within practices themselves, whether that's a serving, a passing, a setting, attacking, uh, and, and putting stuff on it. Or uh, I, I found both ways work. One, putting either a punishment or some form of a, trying to make it a, a, a pressure cooker where they're going to have more sprints. Or I've also found that having them be able to take sprints off uh, also allows them to have, feel that pressure, but in a manner where there's, you feel success, you know, and if you miss it, you, you have 10 sprints, let's say, out of the whole team. Right. And you put three gals in there and say, okay, if you serve these spots, then you get to take a sprint off. If not, we still all have 10. Um, so there's no, I guess there's pressure there, but it's not, okay, if you miss this, we're adding three sprints. Right. Uh, so I do a little bit of both of that. And then as far as off court, yeah, lots of talking about it. Uh, some of them talk to our sports psychologists, uh, not just me. I'm not a sports psychologist. Uh, I've been through the rigors and the pressures, so I can certainly feel for them and talk with them and, and work with them through those kinds of things uh, to the best of my ability, but I'm not a qualified sports psychologist by any means. So we use all of those pieces, and without question, some of them feel more pressure than others, uh, and some of them have more of a, I don't care, I'm just going to go out and play kind of and have fun and they don't really think about it or worry about it. Uh, and others do have a lot of more stress and are talking to me or the sports psychologist a lot more frequently. And that's just the individual personalities of being an athlete and being a person. Yeah, I mean, coach, I mean, for me, I'm, I was in the summer for a little bit. I was, of course, John's um dovo at um lmu you know 2018 or whatever so i got a chance to see you guys playing all of the guys and everyone play pepperdine more times than many <laughs> and i got a quote from chael son and he's an mma guy he's um mixed martial artist and really the pressure comes from just the, the them them mixing the results with the expectations right if you play if you're in there to play to win you're probably not going to win but if you play what you're trained to do you know and you have these different goals and the expectation is you win it's, it's very much like theater which i won't get into um and he said they tell you losing is not an option and he says i think that's ridiculous <laughs> losing is an option losing is the most right. readily available option all the time and it is incumbent upon us coaches to say hey next play or we can like negative talk creep, creep up in their head like that was that was uh, that was terrible you know whatever so the most important thing and i want you to chime in after i say this i told some of my girls and i, I told three different girls the same speech i said the two most important things you need to remember is one the other team's feeling it right and two it's natural. This is not an abnormal feeling. Don't, don't you can't be on that court acting like everybody else it, uh, is treating this like normal, and you're the only one that's feeling it. And I think there is almost a sense of relief that if you remind these players that that every time they're in that situation, it just feels like a normal day where they come to you. They they wind up someone like you. It's like, please serve me. <laughs> I want this ball. Thoughts. I do agree with you that uh, if you're outcome oriented, it's going to be really, really difficult. Uh, and I think that's what uh, the MMA I was basically saying. Like if all you're focused on is the end result, then you're probably going to be putting yourself every time you do something poorly, you're putting yourself in a position where you're thinking about losing and failing. Um, I strongly encourage uh, them to put themselves out there where they will fail. 
Uh, I, I really believe that you learn much more from failing than you ever will from winning. Uh, just in my own personal experiences and what I've seen from people, you, you know, you, you, you dissect or dissect when you lose because you want to know why you lost. When you win, you usually don't dissect why you won to the level that you would when you failed or, or you lost. Uh, so yes, if you, if you're focused on the outcome, you're going to struggle. You need to be, and we also always say that be in the moment, uh, you know, play for right that next touch, that next point, whatever that is, you're always playing within that moment in time. And if you do that and you've been trained correctly, then you're going to, the outcome more often than not, in my opinion, and I think most people's opinion is going to be a good outcome. Um, so as far as accepting the, the pressure and stuff like that, yeah, it is different. Um, the reality is, is if you've got a thousand people watching you, they're watching you. They don't feel any pressure. They're not playing. They're just watching you for enjoyment to see in some ways how you do is whether that's volleyball or basketball. And also I think there's a lot of people that just watch to see how people perform in those situations. You know I mean? That's why I think a lot of people love watching the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryant's, uh, LeBron James, the Steph Curry's of the world, because they want to see them make that crazy shot. Yeah. Uh, and those guys are all willing to take that shot. Uh, and that means there's a lot of misses involved as well, but whatever reason, whatever their chemistry, the way they're thinking is, is they want to be that person to take that shot. It's kind of like that 2019 serve. Um, and not everyone's wired that yeah, way. The pair of five, uh, man. What's that? It was pair five. And, and I think it was like right. a block than a serve, you know? Yep. Uh, so it's, you try and train them to, as best you can to be prepared for that. Uh, but again, there are some that are not and, and maybe never will be. Um, but as a coach, your job is to try and do your best to get them to that, that place where they can accept that there is a possibility of failure and a, and a possibility of winning. And both of them are outcomes potentially, but focus on what's happening in the now. And if you do that, then in my opinion, you're kind of a winner no matter what. Because yeah. you're getting better, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the ultimate goal. And you may end up losing and failing, but chances are, if you were in that moment all the time, the other team was simply better, and they played better at that moment in time. So, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why we play sports. It's because it's fun, and we want to compare ourselves to others uh, and have the little battles in a setting that's not going to kill us, essentially. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I also tell a lot of my players get used to two point games. If you want to be a champion. Uh, um, championships, Todd, are not, in my opinion, are not decided by blowouts. They're decided in two-point games. Uh, look at your Big West championship. That was decided by two points by pair five. And in that same uh, a day earlier, look at the um, the West Coast Conference. LMU had to climb out of hell and beat Pepperdine not once but twice, yeah. but came down to the pair two or four with Emma Dowd. 16-14 um, set three. Look at the PAC championship. U USC and UCLA came down the sponsor uh, up at that uh, 2019 pair, pair two, which was also decided by two points. So yep. pretty much the entire West, all three conferences were, were set up that way. Um, I had a, a high school team that had a 38-1 record, and I counted the number of sets that we won by two. There were 42 sets. <laughs> we won by two, you know, and I'm like... So very, 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 very interesting subject. Would you consider, since we, we, we delved on a little bit of 2019, and your observation, would you, I guess I'll just ask plainly, would you consider that the year of the upstart 
the year like it became this became an, an ncaa sport right and then some of these girls you know you remember when they were like splitting time indoor and outdoor and then mm -hmm. some girls are making lead decision to just go to the beach and then like a couple of years it seemed to spill and i the reason why i'm asking that it was i mean the media loved it um avp hermosa you had girls that were going to college or just graduating college, right? You had um, Chrissy Jones and Muno in the semifinals. You had Maple and Kraft in the quarterfinals. You had the Norris twins who were on their way to USC making the main draw. And yep. um, not only did it make the current players re-examine their game, <laughs> but how much did you think NCAA volleyball being, um, uh, or sorry, women's volleyball being an NCAA sport had to do with that? I think it had a huge impact and you're seeing it every single year now. I mean, yes, it started roughly 12 years ago. Uh, and of course you're not going to get an immediate impact right then and there. Uh, but I, I do think from about 16, 17, 18, it started and then 19 kind of exploded on the scene with Chrissy and Sana um, getting a, a third place in that event with uh, Maple and Kraft getting a fifth with, and now it just seems almost like it's commonplace to see high school gals, you know, in the qualifier for sure. And lots of them in the qualifier. And then even, you know, one or two sometimes making it into the main draw. I mean, they're not going to, I don't see them pulling a maple and craft consistently year in and year out. I think that's kind of a, a, a that's definitely an outlier. Uh, that's not the norm. Uh, but I do think you're just going to see more and more gals that are in the qualifier filling up the qualifier draw and deservedly so too they're really good talented athletes and that's because they've been playing for a long time and they've been getting coached uh, by coaches since they were you know 10 12 years old uh, and I, a lot of it i, I kind of chuckle because even the gals that are let's say seniors in my program for the most part the freshmen coming in have probably been coached just as long as they have so they're really the only thing they have is just five years of ex, of experience in the world and just being older uh, than the gals coming in. But as far as experience, being coached, years playing on the beach, a lot of them are equal. It's just that one started at ten and the other one started at fourteen. Mm. I also think that they have already prepared themselves to accept or come to accept that when they go to college, they have to know that this is going to be your complete college experience. You're going to be doing this. You're going to go to school and you're going to, and you're going to get good grades and 10 and a half months out of the 12 months, this is going to be your college experience. You know, I was telling my friends, my wife, my wife went to Harvard, um, you know, tennis and volleyball, but she knew year one to her credit. Cause I, you know, we're, we're, we're volleyball players. We're stupid. We don't know any better. We're like, I want this to be my 13 month experience out of a possible 12, you know, but you know, when you know right away, you know, it saves you a whole lot of, like you said, mental stress and all that, that, that stuff that, that a lot of these elite athletes have to put up with. And I think you might agree with me where a lot of these girls coming in have already uh, practiced that 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 future of of knowing that i'm already doing this 10 months out of the year anyway so you know yep. they know that's more than the same so so god i just uh, i i think it's they're just yeah they're accustomed to it already uh mm. and i think a lot of them too are just kind of i think all athletes actually it's just the way that a sports is going whether good or bad um, i personally think 
for me, I would have struggled with that. I needed breaks. I needed, I needed other sports, uh, not the same sport for, for 10 months of the year, yeah. but a lot of these gals are, you know, taking a, a month off or two months off, uh, max, um, and then just training all the time. So they are already prepared kind of for the college rigors, not, not fully, uh, because they're usually not practicing every single day and lifting weights and doing plyos and sprints and all the other things we do in college. Plus the rigors of just being an athlete in college in and of itself or a student athlete in college. Uh, but they're more well prepared overall, just having been in a system within a club where a coach is, you know, outlining the, whatever the practice plan is and then moving forward and we'll to, you know, this month we're going to be working on our defense and blocking and transition and the next month, just like you would in college where there's focuses rather than just go to the beach and play, uh, which is kind of how we grew up, which is, Oh, let's go to the beach. Let's just play. And it's your bros and you play all day. And it's fun. Both of them train you, but I would argue that having a coach there correcting you and training you in those manners is definitely going to increase the learning curve by an exponential amount than just going and playing. Uh, either way, you learn, you get better. But the one is a slow process, uh, trial and error. The other one is this is how you do it correctly, and if you do it correctly this way, you're going to be on to the next level and then on to the next level, et cetera. I want to stay on this road, but allow me to drive us to the curb of the cliff. I promise I won't take us both off. Don't coaches need that time off too, though? Don't you? I would don't you? Agree. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. So uh, you need a vacation. Uh, I think, I mean, from the athlete's perspective, you're, you're talking from a mental and a physical aspect, whereas a coach probably is not doing too much of the physical. I mean, maybe the shoulder needs some, some time off kind of a thing, uh, but you're not jumping, you're not doing the sprints, all that kind of stuff that all these athletes are. So from an athlete perspective, they need it from both because they're grinding physically. They may be physically exhausted and be, you know, need a, a month break for the, just the body to repair. Yeah. And, and, as well and, as and your term paper is due tomorrow, <laughs> right? Correct. And your term paper, which is like 33% of your grade. Shit, that's, that's due tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Todd, I interviewed a, a few years ago, 100 years ago for Santa Cruz, uh, like the indoor team. And someone asked me a question. What's your strongest attribute as a coach? I told them I personalize my work. I uh, the, it does the job doesn't stop when I leave the office. I have I have a command center. I live in a video room like a hermit, um, and I'm always in my mind when I'm I'm about to go to sleep. I always think there's someone out there working hard on me, and I get back up and I go back to work. It's ridiculous, I, and I don't want anyone to do the same thing I do. It's not for everybody. They ask me what, um, what my biggest weakness is. I personalize my work. <laughs> right, huh? Dude, it hurts too freaking much. It hurts too much because, you, you, right, they pay us the coach, but they don't pay us the care. You know what I'm saying? You you, yeah. you, you see these girls and they put these elite, uh, turning into elite athletes and growing into these young adults and future leaders of the world. And you, you find yourself not just coaching, but you want the best of them. And sometimes when they face that disappointment, and I think a lot of fans feel this way, that fans that follow you, that take a journey with you, they lose, they feel like they lose too. They hurt with you, man. How many, how many fans have you seen cry when like, you know, Murray lost to Federer and Federer and like Wimbledon, like before the Olympics, 2012. Right. And it's like, why are you crying over an athlete? Dude, don't you have a 
freaking pulse. <laughs> so that's been one of that's my strength and my weakness. And why am I talking about myself? Because I'm, pre- I'm presenting the question to you. What's your greatest strength and your greatest weakness as a coach? And I'm trying not to make this sound like an interview because my po- if you listen to the podcast, it's it's a conversation. It's not right. You're not here, but but I don't have the power of subpoena, right? It's isn't an inquisition. I'm not I'm not pulling teeth. So Rogers, Todd, Coach Todd, your greatest strength and your greatest weakness. Uh, I'd say my greatest strength is twofold. One, uh, drawing on my experiences, uh, which not very many people will be able to draw on the wealth of experiences that I have had um, in the sport. Um, but really from an interpersonal uh, perspective, uh, I, I, do, I think I do a really good job of weighing the team um, and the individual athletes uh, to a really – better than I've seen most other coaches. I think most coaches just lean straight to the team. It's all about the team. Uh, and you as an individual athlete uh, need to immerse yourself entirely within the team. Uh, and whereas I think I do a really good job of still allowing the autonomy of the individual to be within the team uh, and you know, not completely lose themselves uh, when coming into the team. And for some people that's that's really easy. That's like literally 95% of themselves can be just boom. And they only have to change kind of, you know, 5% to really fit the team for others. That's a lot less, you know, they get, they have to, they have to divest a lot more of themselves uh, understanding that, Hey, the team is still the ultimate goal. The team is moving towards whatever we're trying to, you know, whatever our goals are. Uh, So I I feel like I do a pretty good job of talking a lot of them through that uh, and figuring that helping them figure that out uh, because I do feel in a lot of team sports, not just beach volleyball, but you know, a lot of team sports, the individual is lost. Uh, and I still think there's a lot of, uh, power to be had for them, uh, to still be themselves within that team setting, uh, and have that accepted by the team as well. Uh, so that I'd say is probably my, I feel is one of my, my stronger points as a coach. Yeah. Um, my weaker points as a coach. Um, I mean, I think I have a, quite a few. I don't know if I could pick a, a top one. But there's one that came to your mind right now. Tell me what it is. Just not a rah-rah guy. Uh, and a lot of coaches are rah-rah guys and get all fired up and stuff. It's just not who I am. Uh, and, uh, you know, I watch a lot of other coaches that are celebrating and doing all this other stuff. It's just not me. I've had, I've had athletes come to me and say, Hey, can you, can you be more demonstrative or, you know, and, and, and I've tried actually, I do try and be more so that way, but I just, it's just, it's not me. And I struggle with that. I understand that sometimes it has to be laid out there and, it, and that is uncomfortable for me. That is not, that's not in my wheelhouse. Uh, and so when I do do that, it is literally stepping outside of my comfort zone. Uh, and, and really, it's not necessarily a requirement, but it certainly does uh, help uh, for the team and certainly some individuals that when I do do that, they get all fired up and, and whatnot. Uh, but it's just not something I'm even remotely comfortable with. <laughs> you- it is what it is. You know when John is cheering more than you, you got a problem. <laughs> John yeah. Mayer, he's like the biggest, yeah. in, he's the biggest introvert ever. And I'm, um, no, listen, Todd, if they just see this, look, 
and then you're back. That actually, you could probably stop there. That's when you, on that respect, that's when you got to feel like your job is done. They got to come in knowing that, and and come on, they got assistant coaches for that stuff, right? Come on, you got exactly. You there got you, go. you got dovos. You got directors of operations. You know who who. Hire are, them. Most of them, those guys are coaches, but don't get to coach the players. They're they'll they'll be your. Come on, that that's your de facto cheerleader right there. If you ever saw one, so. <laughs> Um, staying with coaching a little bit, because I wanted to talk a, a little bit about her, um, Chrissy, oh my God, Shun, ugh, I butchered this name all weekend. She wants to be go under her, her new last name. Um, and, and Chrissy, if you're out there, I apologize. I'm just going to call you Chrissy right now. Um, she was at a AVP Atlantic city. And we got a notice. I was doing, I was a commentating solo act on court two. Um, I think okay. Cam, Cameron Irwin and, and Boron, they were, you know, they, there's a two person team, but they were like, are you okay going solo? I'm like, hell, I, I can, I can color. <laughs> you know me, I could go play by play. There's, there's not, a, there's only like five guys that can do both, you know? Uh, um, so, but they come up to me and they're like, from now on, she's going to be known as this. And like, this is the spelling of her name. And I'm just like <laughs> practicing it, this and that. So her name, notwithstanding, we'll go by her first name. She was on the podcast. An amazing human being. All right. Just yeah. uh, this, um, not just an, an amazing player, an amazing human being. Um, drawing the picture for everyone listening to the podcast, Chrissy came into Hermosa Beach as the 47th seed in Hermosa Beach. Uh, the, the the open she makes it to the draw not only makes the draw but makes it all the way to the semifinals so now you think about it the, the 47 seed is really like the 63rd seed right if you if you add like the main draw guys too yeah, yeah. just an incredible feat that that if people knew her more than she'd probably have a billboard behind good stuff you know or or um or somewhere in front of sharkies so she was on the podcast i asked her what you mean to her as a coach and as a mentor. And she, she said some awfully nice things about her. So I pose the question to you. You coach a lot of people, so I, but I, I want you to concentrate. We focus on this one person. Todd, what does Chrissy Jones mean to you? Uh, she's a, a culture changer. Uh, she, she was an amazing key cog uh to us getting obviously to the ncaa championships the first time uh on the court but even more so really uh, so much more off the court uh she she talked about and this is to the whole team not just to me uh she talked about you know being uh, and I'm, i'll butcher the words she would do a much better job of it than i but she talked about being in in harmony as a team and and you really you can get to a certain level or phase and she used certain words that I have escaped my mind, but, uh, without having adversity, um, and you need adversity to really get to the next level of, we'll call it harmony. Uh, and that really, I mean, the team kind of just bought into it, what she was saying, uh, and what it allowed for really was to more people to start calling one another out, um, pushing one another, in, in an environment that was safe, that was still a team environment, um, but one that wasn't comfortable by any means because you're calling, you know, I'm calling you out for doing something or not working hard or whatever that was. Uh, and it's really easy for you to respond back to me kind of in a negative mindset instead of a stop, think what, okay, we're trying to get better. 
you know, he's right. I need to be doing this. Um, so she really was a culture changer for us uh, as an individual. I mean, she was my assistant coach. Uh, she uh, has, I mean, she really has a ton to offer. You kind of have touched base on it. You're talking about an articulate, uh, educated. She has her master's. Um, she went to UW, a very good school. Cal Poly, a very good school. Um, young, 20, what is she, 24, 25 Probably, years old, yeah. something like yeah. that. Um, black woman that is, you know, beautiful, that is uh, an intellectual that thinks through what she's going to say, thinks through the game. Um, it's really quite impressive what she has done uh, on and off the court. Um, she's now you know, a married woman, as we're struggling with her last name. Schunderword. Say it again. S-H-O-O-N-D-E-R, so that's Schunder, and then Ward. W-O-E-R-D. Chrissy Schunderward. Schunderward. Okay. I'll have to ask her how the pronunciation on that one works. If that's, uh, yeah, I'll take your word for it on that one. Uh, you're probably better at it than I am for sure. Um, so, I mean, she has so much, so much to really offer what I would argue sponsors. Um, and you, know, you kind of mentioned it, like I'm shocked that she doesn't have more sponsors because she is, you know, uh, kind of the prototype poster child for what we need out there right now. A hundred percent. And she can articulate that. Mm. Um, she can speak to that. Uh, she has, you know, amazing abilities on the, on the athletic side. Uh, you know, she's a pretty good athlete. She's not just a beach volleyball player. She's a dang good athlete all around. Uh, I hope that moving forward, we have a, you know, stronger and stronger tour. So she has a platform to be able to, you know, jump off of, so to speak. Yep. Uh, I fully expect that she will be on the international tour sooner rather than later. She's just, uh, and hopefully, just... yeah. <laughs> and hopefully taking a swing at, at maybe going to Paris and for sure in LA. I mean, I know the process is not, it's tough to get those points and stuff. I, mean, I know you're aware of it as well. It's, you don't just walk out and all of a sudden be playing in five star and, and the big events on the international tour. It really is a, at least a year process, if not multi-year process. It's tough to break in, um, but she has the talent and, uh, and hopefully she has the, she'll have the platform to be able to do so here in the United States, as well as internationally. She's got all my support, um, enjoyed her as an athlete, loved her as a coach, uh, and really have enjoyed kind of watching from afar to see her successes, winning, a a one star in Europe a couple of weeks back uh, and then uh, taking another third in Atlantic city. Um, so the cool thing with her is she still has got a lot, a lot to get better at too, which is kind of scary in and of itself. Dude, it's already really good. What? Uh, yes. So much better, which yep. is like, you, you think about that stuff. You're like, kind of like, wow. Okay. You haven't even finished. You're not at the top of your game. You still have years and lots to improve on, which that's why I think she could be, you know, an Olympian and, and maybe even, you know, a medalist if she so desires. And that's kind of the key point is if that's her path. Yeah. If, if that's a path she wants to pursue. And, uh, I know she has some goals there, but she also has goals with family and other things as well. And like I said, she's a well-rounded individual, uh, as both an athlete, but also as a, uh, as a person even more so. Yeah. I, um, 
And she does her homework. And she like when the podcast ended, we we talked off the record and she she said like two things. We both wanted to edit out a joke that like neither one of us thought was funny. It was just there was just it was just a it was corny and it was kinda silly and it was bad for like both of our images. So I won't tell you what the joke is, right? Oh not my not my image. my image is whatever I mean at 51 years old, do I care what anyone thinks? But I care about what she thinks. So I took it out. And the second thing she says, she wanted to thank me for my service. Ah, nice. See? He calls BS, right? <laughs> but um, she said, thank you for your service. I appreciate, you know, you're a Gulf War vet and this and that. And I was like, you're welcome. I'm like, I said, you're welcome. But I'm like, how did she know? Like, oh, there's only a handful of people that know that, that I'm a Gulf War vet. You know, there's only, uh, I mean, I've, my the only people know about my life is just the last five years that I moved here, right? They, um, and I'm like, that's cool. She did she did some homework on me, and she she knew it. And you you might see it on a bio or something like that, but you'd have to read the whole bio to see it. It's right. it's it's hidden. If you skim it, it's hidden. It's not like you know in highlights, or it's not like in the beginning or the very end. So, a mad mad appreciation for her. And I'll say something uncomfortable, Todd. Um, you don't have to say this, so I'll carry this water for both of us or just speak for myself. If she were a little few shades lighter and if she were blonder, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe she'd get, she get more attention. I'm not, and I'm not trying to race bait that, but I want to people, people to take into consideration the college career she had as an indoor player, the, 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 the one year she, the, the learning curve. The, the ridiculous learning curve she had under you for playing for just one season, her grad season, and then doing that gangster move uh, in her Moser Beach with, with Muno. Um, great human being. Amazing human being. Now, one, uh, another thing, we touched on styles of coaching when it comes to men or women, and I like what you said because you knew her calling people out was a risque thing because, in my estimation, coaching women – Women perform better through sisterhood. Like men usually pro- perform better through leadership by performance. Now, I don't, yeah, I don't. Now I don't care what the, the the freaking studies say. Like I, like you, I consider experience experience. At the end of the day, sometimes we have to accept the real scientists are us. <laughs> we've been we we failed. We've experimented. We try this. That don't work. Threw crap on the wall. See if it sticks. But um, was that risk? That did you did you know that that was risque? Like calling people out, or or should I say calling people up? Uh, I, I like the calling people up uh, because that's the, what you're trying to really do is you're yeah. trying to call them out and then make them better, which is really pulling them to a, in an upward trajectory, like you said. Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew there was risk there. Uh, but to me, it's kind of, you know, if you're not going to take any risks, if you're not going to risk failure, then you're probably not going to attain what you want to attain. Uh, assuming that what you want to attain is something special, like a championship of some kind or a gold medal or whatever that is for uh, the individual and or the team. Uh, So without some form of risk there, and that's kind of what she was saying, hey, if we want to really be a true team, we kind of got to put ourselves out there and we got to take some risks. Otherwise, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get out of 100 points, we're going to get to 85. Okay, well, is that good enough to do what we want to accomplish and the goals that we, we set forth for ourselves? Probably not. You know, you, you got to put yourself out there to get to that a hundred uh, or at least try your best to get to that a hundred and attain your goals, whatever those, whatever those goals are. So I, I knew it was there as a risk, but for me as the coach, uh, I was certainly willing to take it and our players were willing to take that on as well. 
Cool. Yep. I like that. Um, all right. Here's a fan question. Someone asked yesterday. Um, some people have been asking how close you've been following the Olympics right now. And I guess someone was highlighting Phil. And somebody asked, is there anything that you see in Phil's game and his mentality that has gotten better since once you guys played in 2012, and 2008 and 2012? Um, um, I mean, uh, he's got a few more gray hairs on his beard when he lets it grow out. Uh, so yeah. I have noticed that, <laughs> although yeah. I have a lot more. Um, I mean, it, what I have seen is uh, at 41 – He's still pretty freaking physical uh, on the block when he does what he does best, which is set his feet, get in the spot that he wants to get to, uh, and then just get big and get over. He's still enormous up there and definitely still one of the top blockers in on the planet on that front. Um, but when he doesn't do that, I have noticed he's not a, he's not as dynamic in like reaching out left or right that maybe some of these young guys still have the, you know, the dynamics at 24 or whatever mole and all these other guys, the Russian and Thole and whatnot. Those guys are, they're young, they're babies. It seems like mid twenties or somewhere in there. Um, you know, his demeanor and, and just accepting, uh, not his role, but just, the way he carries himself has always been pretty dang good. I mean, I, even as a 25 year old, when I first started playing with him or 26, whatever age he was, he's a quiet guy. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't see a lot like he hasn't gotten a ton better at any of that stuff. He's always been pretty on court. He's always been great. Uh, the only thing I want to make fun of him is he's, he's still not great in the interviews. Yeah, <laughs> just simply, it's always been a that's been his Achilles heel. If you asked him what he could get better at, uh, or mm. his uh, worst thing, that would probably be a hundred percent what it still is. Oh. Uh, I was watching their interview after they beat uh, the Brazilians, and I was just cracking up. I was kind of just thinking, well, some things never change. Phil is still not comfortable at all <laughs> being no. interviewed and answering questions. He's gotten so much better from the very first one. Yeah, trust uh, me, that I he know. Did ages ago uh but mm. it's still not in his in his comfort zone he'd much rather be out there in the battle in the heat of battle uh, in front of a bazillion people than being in front of a single camera with one person interviewing mm. him and then and then have a bunch of people seeing that that definitely would be not where he wants to be well one of the one of the things that i actually did because I, I i did the beat for volleyball one-on-one -on -one, if you remember andor july uh, South African guy yeah. that played for whatever. So he wanted me to just go to the, the events and just interview top players. You know, I just moved. I'm new. So it's just a, it's a way for me to get to know all of the players. So so what I did was I knew Phil was shy about himself, but I knew if I asked about someone else. So I basically said, what's one or two things you thought Nick did well? And I turned him over or whatever. And yeah. then he's like, he said, I thought he did this and this and that. And everybody's like, oh, holy shit, you got three sentences out of him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and now Popovich wins that battle, right? Because they were, they were running neck and neck. <laughs> but then then the next question, I'm like, you got the Olympics like two years away. Do, do, do you think you guys are going to go? As a... And then he goes, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm just I'm like, shit. You know, I said, I, I, I got him to talk. But then the Olympics, it was about him. And he went back to being this guy like, you know, and, and like people that misread him. It's like, 
I don't want you to go to the Olympics. You look like you don't. You don't. You don't look like you don't. You don't even care if you go or not. I. I want. How about trying Trevor? How about let's get two cats in there who 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 look like they care they want to go. But, but I have some friends that follow him, and you know you've been with him for a long time, and you tell me if this is true. When it's time for him to turn the on switch, he dismisses all of any any notion that he doesn't care. You know, and 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 people who misread him of that, you you watch him on the biggest stages of them all, and, and this is the Olympics, and really cool. I think he's too. They no, they dropped to Brian Mayusin, but they did beat um, Alison and Alvaro, right? Um, three to um, fifteen, thirteen. So, um, am I right? How how am I doing here? As far as like his on switch, Phil? yeah, yeah. No, you're you're spot on. Uh, when he turns it on, he's pretty amazing on the court. Uh, I think it, you know, people expect you not expect, but you know, there's this desire to have an athlete, whoever that athlete is, whether it's Phil or someone on a basketball court or whatnot to always be on. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's physically and mentally impossible to always be on. Uh, and when I played with Phil, my goal was just to get him to the semis because I knew if we got to the semis, it probably really, really good chance we were going to win because Phil would just flip the switch and then be, you know, go to another level that for the longest time, no one could attain. Right. And I just, you know, kind of would enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was my job to get us to that point to allow him to flip the switch. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a shared duty in that front. And, and I still see that, um, you know, he's, he, uh, when, you, when you give him that opportunity, and my, my hope is that somehow they find their way. Nick plays really, really well, like he did against the Brazilians. I thought he played very well. Uh, that they can get you know, get get your partner to that point, and then just let him do what he does, and that he, what he's done for you know the last sixteen years or whatever the number is, and a hundred and some odd victories. Uh, it, there's a reason he's got over a hundred victories. It's, the guy has done an amazing job come semis and finals. I mean, his, his win percentage, once he gets to that point, is off the charts. It's yeah. exceptional. Uh, and that's when he shines the most. But you got to get him there because he's not going to shine in the first round most of the time. Right. Uh, so get him there and then let him do his thing and just kind of be the, be the fan, giving the golf clap, saying, hey, there keep going, keep going, don't stop. Uh, I've been I've been a witness to it many many a times. Uh, it, I just don't know if there's anyone better once he gets to that stage, that semifinal final stage, um, that's ever played the game. Yeah, let's actually I got a clip. Let's take a look at the clip. These are um, some highlights. The last few plays. Actually, let's go back. He comes up. I think he's. I'm not sure if this is Rigo. But pretty, I think this is a game where he was serving. If he didn't get an ace, he got a block. <laughs> you know, it's just boom. I think that was the end of the game. I think this yep. was for the goals, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, this is like a two-minute clip, but I just wanted to show the last few minutes. Um, just fill some of the highlights. You and him playing together, those finishing moments. Um, and since we stumbled upon that, walk me through those last two points, if you can remember. Uh, I mean, the... Uh, he was just a, he was an animal in that third game uh and i think we were up 9-1 if i recall correctly yep. and it was just him 
stuffing the snot out of Fabio uh, over and over again. I, I can't remember exactly. Is that like five blocks or six blocks in that game? Fabio made a couple of errors as well, mostly because he was trying to get the ball around Phil and it wasn't very successful when he, he's either hitting it out or hitting it in and then getting no. stuffed straight down. It's like, Fab, uh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I just get stuffed by Phil. That's my, yeah, that's exactly. my nine to five. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember, I remember a couple of things, nine to one. Uh, I remember just not yelling at him, but just being like, Hey, let's not stop here. Let's keep going. That's all the way to 15. Forget the score. Like just kind of keep grinding, keep grinding. Uh, and I think he, you know, obviously he stuffed that last ball uh, straight down and then tackled me. And uh, that was, you know, a pretty cool moment all in all, uh, yeah. given everything we'd gone through, not only in the Olympics, but just up to that point. The journey, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the journey, which at the end of the day, that's kind of a... Yeah. And for the gold, and for the gold, gold Todd, for the gold, for the gold, and Phil coming at you with the tackle, you got to take that quarterback sack. You are the yeah. you are the Rogers that doesn't evade that doesn't evade that sack. You right. just hold on to the ball and go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he, that's a good way of putting it. He sacked me. I like that. I will have to use that. Uh, so like yeah, I said, I, it, the journey was amazing. Uh, and it was really it was a three year journey, and we learned a, a ton about one another. And you know, Phil's a good Phil's a good guy. I mean, he really is. I, I know you know this already, but he's such a good guy. I really enjoy. I had dinner with him a couple of weeks ago, and before they went out to the Olympics, and I just enjoy shooting the breeze with him. Whether that's about volleyball or life or family, yeah. uh, he's a family man, and uh, it's just I enjoy it. And and when you get him in those situations, he's a much more uh, gregarious guy and talkative and fills the airways up when you get him in that one-on-one situation where he's comfortable, you know, shooting the, shooting the breeze over a glass of wine or, or dinner or something like that. And uh, I always enjoy and, and look forward to those conversations and then look back fondly uh, at all those as well. Um, even probably, I don't want to say more so than some of the, the highlight events of our careers, but definitely like generally speaking more than most of our, our matches that we might have won or lost. Just, it's it's an enjoyable experience when we get together and, and shoot the breeze. And, and most of it's not even reminiscent. Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, just stuff. Politics, family. Yeah. Uh, for, at my last dinner, obviously, looking forward to this Olympics and how do they feel. And I, I was grilling him on all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah. He's a, good, he's a good man. Yeah. I like him a lot, too. I was um, AVP New York City 2019. I was there to coach. And very nice facility they they moved basically from from pier 25 you know that was owned by by vesso and i think chi dimaggio was at that time they moved it up to 14th street and like built constructed or whatever easy to get in easy to get out um big huge crowds i actually invited everybody from the exceptional seniors high school game i told them they filled in they filled in they filled like an entire section of the bleachers but phil and nick were leaving long story short and probably had to sign so many autographs, take so many pictures. I said, hey, what's good, guys? And they didn't know it was me. And I'm like, I, and I go to Nick. I'm like, Nick, you want to shake my hand like we didn't sleep together? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're at Florida State. I'm at LMU, you know. And and this, and and at the time, I was a BVNE, right? The um, the recruiting yeah. showcases. I'm like, you're going to know me at the showcase, showcases, but, you know, when you're looking for players, but you don't know me here. So he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. It's just it's just a blur. And I said, I'm, I'm messing with you. I know you're cool like that. And then I was I had a tall friend named Kenny and then Phil and Kenny were sizing each other up and Kenny's like, <laughs> Kenny goes, 
I'll play you for that hat. And Phil goes, I'll play you for those shorts. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's a good day. But the point I was trying to make was there's so many people, it's easy to forget whatever, but then Manhattan Beach, Phil comes up to me and I was like, can I take a picture? And he's like, if it's for the guy, I'm supposed to play for the shorts. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so cool. You know, so cool. I mean, like, like I said, it's a merciful blur. And of course, you got all some all kinds of weirdos trying to make business deals with you. And sometimes you just want, you know, I understand why some of these players want their privacy because, you know, if, if it's a fan, you want to talk about volleyball. Yeah, you want to talk about something other than volleyball. I'm like, dude, I, just, I don't want to do all that right now. I just got done playing. I'm, I'm my, my, my right calf is cramped up. My foot is arching. My foot, my, I have an arch. I've never had an arch cramp till I moved to California. Like, like you know, like a cramp here under your foot. Yeah, yeah. oh, there's a oh, painful. God, oh my, no, I, I've only felt that for other reasons I can't say on the podcast. But um, <laughs> Matt, last, I know we're, we're, we're going on an hour here or whatever, but I have to ask this, otherwise I wouldn't be doing my job. What got you into volleyball? What uh, what what made you say, I think I want to I play mean, this just, sport? Honestly, just uh, a group of friends. My <laughs> freshman year in high school, I'd always been more of a soccer player. And a group of my friends that I hung out with for years and years, all just, none of us had really ever played volleyball before, indoor. And we all just said, hey, let's just go out for the indoor volleyball team. It sounds like fun. And I was like, all right. Sounds, so it was just kind of like a lark. And when I say a bunch of us, I'm like 10 of us, freshmen. And we're all pretty good athletes. So you know, some of us played basketball, soccer, football, etc. Went out for the team, made this freshman team. We're basically, we're the freshman team. Uh, and then on the beach side of things, when that season was done, we had a blast, had a great time. Uh, the head varsity coach, John Lee, um, his former pro back in the, uh, the seventies and eighties, uh, he basically told all of us like, Hey, if you guys, you guys, did you have fun? Yeah. Did you, you know, you want to get better? Yeah. Well, if you want to get better, you should go down to East beach in Santa Barbara and, and play on the beach all summer long. You know, it's a great place to spend your summer. Um, you're going to be getting better at the indoor game as well as the beach game. Uh, and, and then his last little sentence, and it still sticks in my mind to this day is, uh, and by the way, there's girls in bikinis down there. And it's kind of like, duh. I mean, 14 year old boy, just light bulb goes on. We can go literally play at the beach all day long when, and go hang out with you know, a bunch of, a bunch of cows in bikinis, total no brainer. And so then it literally, I think that same group went down to East beach one parent would drop us off and we'd just be down there all day long. It's like, when do you want to, when do you want me to come get you? It's like, uh, we'll figure that out. Later. We didn't have cell phones <laughs> then either. So we had to go to the pay phone and call the mom or whoever was on pickup duty. And we, I mean, we were down there literally from probably nine to five every day. Uh, oh, just man, playing so and hanging cool. out and having fun. And, uh, I, I fell in love with the game, you know, and still play with a lot of those guys. Yeah. Uh, to this day, uh, obviously we're nowhere near as good as we were, but uh, that's kind of how I fell in love with it. And you, know, you, know, you played indoor for nine years or so through college, and then just loved the beach a lot more. Uh, for and it worked out well. 
there's right. dude there's nothing like girls that show like teenage boys that the sport could be cool right <laughs> right like you said they're good looking they're in shape they're playing this sport or whatever and honestly that's what got me and i had a mad crush on a girl in high school that there um, you go. her mom played for the dominican national team um and she was dominican and she's out there playing with the guys on a men's height net the, yeah. now the difference is you at least on you as a west coaster and where you where your, your zip code was understood the intricacies and how the rules were played me i grew up in a basketball and football yeah. culture and you know brooklyn so you get on the court right and they're like you can't do that it's a carry can't hit the net can't do that so the whole time mom like this is easy i can play this and i've i've equated this to such and you'll appreciate this you're on a fishing boat right with some people and you catch a big old flounder and you take the flounder off the hook and you just throw it on the deck and you watch the flounder like flap around like suck sucking air or whatever and he thinks he's underwater but he's not that's how i looked <laughs> that's how i felt when i left because i i went in and i thought it was easy and and i felt like a flounder <laughs> so i bought a book written by doug bill avca uh, coach's handbook Saw the huh. saw the four step approach. How you supposed to jump? How you supposed to land? Still got right. probably still got fingerprints on the ceiling of my mom's house. Just learning how to whatever. And three Man. years and three years later, I was playing professionally. I was in Germany in, in Darmstadt, Germany. Wow, cool! I, I got recruited from my military team in Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah. So um, tried out for the army team. I think ben, Fort Benjamin Harris is where you fly. You fly over and and um, you try. It's a twenty one day tryout, uh, like a camp. But um, that's so cool. But I had to ask that. Last question. Um, was there a particular tournament or, or a match where you left that you told yourself, I think I can do this full time for a living? Was there a defining moment, uh, albeit in club, high school, could have, could have been college, Todd, or maybe, you know, early college where you're like, I'm going to be a professional at this. This is this is this is who I am. And this is what I do, and this is my this is my DNA. Uh, I mean, the closest thing that uh, I would say would be my in ninety. I believe it was ninety three. I was a second year in college, and uh, went with Dax Holdren and uh, down to Manhattan. Uh, it was a big tournament. Forty eight teams in the main draw, and then sixteen out of the qualifier. And we were nobody, and went out there and. Uh, qualified for the main draw and then I think we went two and two uh and, and beat some teams that were you know ensconced in the main draw uh and kind of went huh that, that was at that point in time kind of the first light bulb that went off in the brain where I went gosh this is really fun I love the sport and I'm beating some of these guys that are making you know look at the at the, the list of money that you know first through 48 or whatever and that guy made 40 G last year. Like I just beat him, hmm. you know, a little light bulb goes off. Uh, and you know, I, for myself and my family, it was really important to get the education and finish up my uh, degree on that front. Um, but that's where I kind of started going. Okay. And then every year we started beating more and more pros, uh, in triple A events or even in Hermosa or Manhattan, Chicago, the bigger AVP events at the time. Right. Uh, and then kind of realizing, okay, yeah, I'm going to take a crack at this and told my parents when I graduated, Hey, I want to try and become a pro beach volleyball player. I'm going to give myself three years. Uh, and when I say three years, that means to be successful, not just make the main draw, which meant the ability to support my wife and, and kids. 
which I wasn't married at the time yet, nor did I have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was kind of my thought process and my parents, you know, were all thumbs up, uh, go for it. Uh, so ended up a year later making enough to support a family if I had had one at the time and didn't look back for 20 years. How many kids do you have? I have two kids, 22 year old daughter, Hannah and 20 year old son, Nate. Yep. I got a toe head. I got a four year old. And she looks like Queen Daenerys from Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. And um, we're going to give a little lesson on for some of these young men who, who want to know how to treat women. Um, for the people listening or watching the video version of this, women have a look that there's a particular face that only women have that men know, but men don't have, but we know when we see it. When she's experiencing grief, and anger, the mixture of both at the same time, the face looks like this. Right? She's hurting. She wants to lash out, but she can't. But at the same time, she's conflicted because she doesn't want that person to think you got, they got the best of them. And for my guys at home, for the young guys listening, if you're far enough, just run. 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 <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're too close where you can't run, Hug her. Give her a hug. You're in the eye of the storm. You'll be, you'll, you'll be all right. And, and at the end of the day, that's all she wanted anyway. So that's just um, me driving us both off the cliff because I, I, I think you almost expected that when you came on the podcast. You're like, he's probably going to talk about why Bruce Lee died. I'm here, I'm here for volleyball, right? <laughs> Brandon got You're killed by on. a blank. Um, You're spot on. Yeah. Um, I have... Very, very little intel and knowledge on ba Bally's purchasing the AVP. I just wanted your thoughts on that and where you think, directionally speaking, um, how it could help improve the AVP. I have very little as well, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I mean, they have deep pockets, obviously. Um, and a lot of, not just the deep pockets, but a lot of, uh, what would you call them? Uh, like media exposure things yeah. and media. Yeah. They, they have got a lot of abilities out there. And my hope is that that can be used to great effect, uh, would be fantastic. I'm sure if we did well in Tokyo on that front and Bally's could kind of take that and, as a starting point and run with it, we've seen it done before with great success. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, fingers crossed for everyone on that front. Uh, but I don't, you know, I mean, it's a gambling organization. Will it take it to, uh, you know, all of a sudden fantasy beach volleyball? Uh, you know, I, I just don't know. Uh, so I, I don't know enough about the organization itself, uh, the company. I just know that they have the wherewithal. If they want to put beach volleyball front and center, they can certainly push that envelope for us. Uh, but and in my conversations with lots of different stakeholders within the industry, most people have no clue. Right. I mean, people, even insiders are like, I, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. Um, so it's a very interesting time for beach volleyballers uh, across, across the entire you know, stratosphere, atmosphere of you know, whether that's college or juniors, because uh, we all aspire to be pro. And so hopefully that pro tour will not all, but a lot of them that do aspire to be like whoever that is, you know, currently maybe April, Alex, uh, Sponsel, and Clays. Um, and I hope that doesn't end because that would be really, a, I think you would agree, all of us would be pretty depressed. It'd be a very sad, sad day. Um, not that, I think that's not going to be for, you know, hopefully not at all, but uh, I think Bally's will hopefully give it a good swing. Uh, I hope so too. They can take so and 
I, I don't have any inside dude, information for you. I Well, me, I think I'd like to start by saying that though I've been critical of Donald's son um, fairly, all fair criticism, um, and I won't make the illogical leap to his biggest critic. There, there are people that a hundred times are worse than me. We ain't going to name names. I really got to give this guy a lot of praise for what, from 2018 up to this point, right? Amazon Prime, uh, making certain tour stops happen, the Hydra Cup series, um, some some of the sponsors that come in, um, allowing, you know, um, allocating resources to help to help some of the players pay for their flights and stuff like that and this and that. Right. And just really, really trying to make the sport better. I mean, I, I've, Termosa Beach, um, I was, it was on my birthday. I helped him. I was Earl, the guy with the afro. I was his, his and Jake's coach. Uh, got him into okay. the main draw. And I finally ran into the guy and I said, I want to shake, can I, I want to shake your hand. He's with Jeff Conover, you know, but um, I let him know I was one of his critics, but at the same time, I'm, I'm one of his, pra- uh, one of his biggest praisers now too. So, um, and I really, really, um, whatever is going to happen between ballads or whatever, I really like the momentum he had. And what and every year just seems a little bit better, you know. And, and you know, Todd, it's very easy to take someone's worst moments, right? Um, and then take all their worst moments and like cut out all the good stuff and take these worst moments and say, oh, this is what this person is as a collective whole. And, and it's it's easy to do that, and it's also lazy, you know. Um, and me personally, I'm I, I won't take the easy way out. I, I take I take both. I take both, and people decide how they want to do that. So. Um, I'm with you because because if it's really about the players, if it's really about moving the volley, volleyball needle, the cheer meter or whatever that little needle thing, right. I'm all for it. The only thing I ask is we can't enlist the same people whose ideas um, are not inclusive. You know what I'm saying? If you only have volleyball people that that are only volleyball people, and if they're and I don't mean to talk about clicks, but if they're only part of a certain whatever where all they know is this and that. The lack of inclusiveness could be the could be the, the beginning of the end of the AVP. You know what I'm saying? And that, well, be that's always see, been one of my, my things. Go ahead. You have well, I mean, I don't know of anyone in Bally's that would be in any of those cliques. That's, and that's <laughs> why I think it serves as an advantage. Yeah, it's a completely separate yeah. organization that I'm sure maybe someone plays a little beach in there. I would yeah. hope that would be great, but I don't think anyone's no one that I know of at least and nor have I heard. So mm-hmm. that'll be an interesting thing to see because they will be definitely mm-hmm. completely outside of any clicks or circles yep. uh, within the beach volleyball world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll have a very fresh viewpoint. Yes. But uh, the cool, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, but neither one can succeed on its own. You, I think they need both. I just right. like, Truly, one can't exist on its own. Uh, big up to Jeff Conover, man. The guy, one of the, he's like the James Brown of freaking volleyball, like the hardest working man in America. That I only put with Jeff Alzina. Alzina is that. That's Alzina category. It's like every time you see him, he's moving. You know, if he if he goes backwards yeah. or stops, he's gonna die. He's like a shark for Christ's sakes. Uh, um, and that's what I'm suggesting that both together can make it happen. And I really, really hope they find a way. So, I shouted out Jeff Conover. Also, want to shout out Josh Glazebrook media guy yeah. um total savage had first time I actually had a conversation with him and um you know and i was asking him like how did chrissy jones know about, about my military service he's like well it was in the bio you sent me and i'm like you're in my bio and he's like he said you were tre- you achieved the rank of specialist right i'm like how did you know that he's like i read your resume i'm like oh cool you know because i'm actually vying for a future con- um consideration not this year but like next year to be if they have more than one live stream more than one court they're going to need more commentators and um i believe 
um, from at least from 2016 to this point, where I had to pay dues all over again because I moved. I think that's paid in full. I think I think honestly, I did everything. You know, I did I did the LMU thing. I coached a team in the draw. I coached a team into the draw. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Coach with endless summer. Uh, Duncan Avery, his kids out of Redondo Evolution. So I I have a full understanding how it works out here. I'm I'm, I'm I can't even, I gotta get rid of this hat. I'm not even a New Yorker anymore, myself, except for the Yankees. I'm only I'm not a Knicks fan anymore, Todd. I'm only you know the only this is the last left of New York. I'm I'm a Yankees fan. And other than that, I'm a California kid. So. So, um, so Todd, is there um, anyone want to know about Todd? Can you just plug in your Instagram handle, or or just maybe maybe um, they reach you at, Cal, at, Todd, at Rogers at Cal Poly, T Rogers at Cal Poly, or something like that? People want to. I'm know. not a social media guy. I know. Um, I know. I have all that stuff uh, out there, but it's not. It's me, uh, but I just I'm not. Yeah, he ain't looking at that. <laughs> I, like, I like my privacy, my family time, 100%. et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. There's a reason you're tired. Yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, yeah, you can. Yeah. You go on Cal Poly website. You can see my email. Uh, mm. And yeah, my 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 digits are out there. If you want to try and reach out and and have a have a chat and whatnot, or have questions uh, based on what they see uh, on the podcast, mm. for sure. Yep. You got a lot of power. I mean, when I was coaching Rafu and Kevin, I think you came up to the ref and the ref changed the call. And I'm like, you're going to change the call because because Todd said so. And then two more players, the ref is like, um, did um ask Kevin, did you see that play? And I'm like, why don't you ask Todd if he saw it or not? And everyone in the crowd started laughing. And the ref looked at Todd and you, you, you were just honest. You're like, it's out. And then everybody just did that. I'm like, this dude's a freaking ringleader right now. I mean, why don't you just give him the victory? I, dude, I was so mad that day, but I was only a prisoner of the moment because Rafu I've known for a long time, you know, yeah. but you know, Rick Amen, remember, uh, play with Karch, um, Raphael, Amari Velasco, these are names that you, you probably after, maybe after or, or during your time right so um, yeah Puerto Ricans yep yeah bad, man badass Puerto Ricans dude yeah well guys that's all I got unless Todd has anything else I gotta tell you Todd may love you but I can't stand you guys in fact we're out of here so for <laughs> all of you at home for all of you on your iPhone for all of you on your droid for all of you on your desktop who runs the world old school old school for Todd the Professor Rogers this is episode 98 of the option podcast stay with me after I hit my music I'm Jason Debilius we're out Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.